0: Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we chat with today's most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. If you like what you listen today or any of the other days that you pop in to listen to us, please go into the iTunes, subscribe, and give us a rating. Give us some feedback. We're always looking to hear how you're liking it or maybe how you're not liking it but always open to feedback. So today I have an outstanding guest. His name is Shiv Gaglani. He's the co-founder and CEO of Osmosis. Their medical and health sciences education technology aimed at revolutionizing the way clinicians learn and retain information. So he's been in the business for quite some time and what I want to do is open up the microphone to Shiv and round up that introduction. Shiv, welcome so much to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. And yeah, as, you, as you've said, I, I'm a co-founder and CEO of Osmosis, which actually I started with my co-founder, Ryan Haynes, when we were medical students at Johns Hopkins about five years ago. Oh, great school. Yeah. That's why I'm based here in Baltimore. My fiance is actually an OBGYN resident here. And yeah, we've grown quite a bit in the last five years and really pleased to be on your show.
0: Hey, man, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. And I just want to know, why medicine? Like, why did you decide to get in? And even cooler, why did you decide to take the turn into industry instead of practicing?
1: Yeah, no, great question. So I've been surrounded by health professionals my entire life. So my father's a retired general practitioner. He moved our family from India to Africa, where I was born, wow. and used to practice in a country of 2 million people and less than 100 doctors in Namibia. Wow. So I used to go with him when I was really young to the hospital where you practice, uh, where you're supervising. And, you know, it was, it's hard not to get inspired by the work he was doing there. My mother's a physical therapist. So through her, I met a lot of patients who were in rehab and, and had all sorts of issues, children who had amputations and things like that. And obviously that was inspiring to me as well. And then my sister, who's also based in your hometown of Chicago, is a right. dentist. And right. she, has, she and her husband have three dental practices there. And so we joked that between my entire family, we can treat anybody and I'm, I'm sure that actually I can teach people, but not, not necessarily. So I, I got really excited about medicine because of them and then got pumped about research. So research is what kept me going into medicine and eventually to Hopkins School of Medicine. And the thing I really, really liked about research was scale, right? You discover something, you make a new treatment, the scale of impact you can have within a few years is incredible. And that's actually what led to this pivot into Mm -hmm. industry. So I'm still technically a med student and I still want to go back and finish and eventually be able to practice. Oh,
0: nice. Okay.
1: But right now we've been having such a great time with osmosis where initially it started with 240 of our classmates at Hopkins. And now we have an audience of about 350,000 students and practicing physicians as well as patients and family members. And so that's the scale I was talking about where it's just really inspiring and motivating to see people use the things that you and your friends are able to develop.
0: That's pretty neat. And I appreciate you sharing sort of the the genesis there and, and the journey. And it sounds like you guys are doing some really cool things with osmosis. What would you say is a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And what's osmosis? What are you guys doing about it?
1: Yeah. So I think what gets us up every day in the morning is kind of this shifting dynamic between what a clinician is trained for, and what they need to be able to do. So you've probably heard in the news, every day we hear about automation, AI, how it's replacing individuals, how yes. they're able to you know, be less active, what are they going to be doing when, they're, you know, when the entire food services industry or truck drivers are replaced, how do they get fulfillment, how do we make sure people have healthy and fulfilling lives, essentially, with the changing nature of society. And so one of the things that I'm really motivated by is, is how do we empower just day-to-day individuals, patients, family members to lead healthy and fulfilling lives. And so osmosis, the way we try accomplishing that first is we've been focusing on clinicians and trying to make them really good, right? Making clinicians the best they can be so that they are able to do things like behavioral counseling of their patients and getting them to the right help that they need. But one of the growing sectors of what we're doing is about 10 to 15% of our audience are patients and family members who are getting empowered by the videos we produce. So you've probably seen that if you look up schizophrenia or depression or diabetes, hypertension, if you look those up on YouTube or on Wikipedia, you'll find the osmosis videos.
0: Is that right? Uh, Yeah. They're the first ones that pop up. Yeah,
1: on Very YouTube, cool. a, lot of the, a lot of times they're the first on YouTube. On Wikipedia, you can Google it right now and you go to hypertension, you'll find our video on hypertension there. Nice. And we take, you know, we've worked with groups like WebMD, Medscape, and have great respect for what they've accomplished. Though a lot of times patient education material is a bit too basic or it's all text and kind of dry. Osmosis has taken a different tack where since we started with educating clinicians, we go into more depth. We try making it simplified in terms of the visual aesthetic. And so a lot of our audience are patients and family members who are using the videos we produce to become more engaged and empowered in their own health. And that's something that really motivates us because ultimately I think we need people to be more empowered to take care of themselves. And the role of the clinician will be changing where it won't be this hero swooping in trying to patch all of the parts of the dam that are leaking. It's really the person who who has to become knowledgeable about their own conditions, about what it would mean if they eat poorly for decades or smoke a pack a day for decades. And ideally, you know, in that way, they can live more fulfilling lives.
0: That's really interesting, Shiv. And it sounds like at this point, you guys are about 10, 15% focused on the consumer. Then the other side, do you feel like there's going to be a point where it just flips and and it's mostly consumer focused? Or what are your thoughts there?
1: That's a really interesting question. I mean, we want to try ushering in a new type of clinician, a lifelong learning clinician who can use our technology and our content to from day one of med school or nursing school till when they retire is practicing. However, a lot of them right now are focused on test prep because ultimately right. they need to pass their exams. Exactly, yeah. Test prep is something we do, but it doesn't motivate us as much. What motivates us more is this health media aspect where, again, a patient will a parent of somebody who has a kid who has measles will look up our video on measles and then know what to do because of that, or know at least what's happening in their kid and that knowledge is power for them. So there may be a time for that, but I think overall, I think healthcare should have this switch too, where it should go from. It should almost have a Martin Luther moment, right? Where uh, right now it's all these healthcare professionals are the priests who you use to get to health. You communicate to God through these priests eventually the the reformation is one in which anyone can talk to God directly. So anyone can take care of their own health directly and be more empowered. And they don't have to go through these intermediaries who are clinicians.
0: Osmosis is nailing down the 96th thesis on the hospital. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. I love it, man. That's a great analogy. And it's a very interesting way to think about it for sure. And so as we look at, at what you guys are doing, can you Speak to potentially what you guys have done differently that has created results, potentially improving outcomes.
1: Yeah, so there's really three things that make us different. One is the quality of our content. So we found this really great balance between simplifying really complex things, ranging from healthcare policy. We just produced a video on physician compensation, MACRA and MIPS. Those acronyms. Oh wow! That you've yeah,
0: heard. you have a something on that. Yeah, we just created that with uh, actually I a mean- Chicago-based. I would love to dive into that and yeah. learn more, right?
1: Yeah, I'll send you the link. Uh, yeah. We haven't released it publicly yet, but I'll send it to you. Awesome. Thank you. And we did that with um, a Chicago-based organization, the Council of Medical Specialty Society, CMSS. Oh, okay. yeah. so we've taken this really dry topic and, and hard to understand topic and simplified it in a visual way, but not oversimplified it. Because, I, again, that's my problem with sites that are too reductionist because then you lose some some actual content. We also so that's one thing. We believe we're producing the highest quality educational videos in healthcare at this point. And because of that, we're getting all these content sponsors ranging from Rush Medical College to Kaiser Permanente to the American Board of Medical Specialties who basically want us to produce these videos and then also put their, you know, put their brands in the videos too as leaders in that thinking. So that's one advantage we have is it's the highest quality short video content. Number 2 is a very sophisticated platform. So I haven't really gone too deep into what the Osmosis platform does, but in a nutshell, we wrote an article when we were just getting started called What Can Medical Education Learn from Facebook and Netflix? Uh-huh. Especially we were borrowing the consumer-oriented aspects of those companies, what they do to keep you engaged, to get you engaged and keep you engaged. Mm-hmm. So an example of that is ad retargeting. You've probably experienced this where you'll Google something like pants, and then you click on a an, uh, Nordstrom. And then later that day on Facebook, you'll get an ad from Nordstrom. Right. So that's pretty effective It's um, at getting you to purchase from Nordstrom. That's why they spend so much money on it. We do something that's pretty novel in the space called educational retargeting. Huh. So our algorithms are analyzing what you're learning. So based on your calendar, your course documents, what sites you're visiting. So if you're learning about epilepsy, chances are you're learning about that because you're seeing a patient with epilepsy or you're in school and that's the topic being taught that day. So if you read something about epilepsy today, tomorrow, we'll send you a push notification to your phone with a question about epilepsy that should be relevant to what you just learned the day before. And that's called, we call it educational retargeting. Love it. We have a provisional patent on the way we do this, but so content quality, technology, and then the third is just distribution. I think we're really good at forming partnerships with groups. We've gotten grants from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Hewlett Foundation, the National Board of Medical Examiners, our contents on Wikipedia. So we're really good about forming partnerships and distributing our content and our technology in creative ways. So that's what makes us, I think, different. And it's also why we're expanding pretty quickly beyond medical students to nursing, PA, pharmacy, dentistry, and also to practicing clinicians.
0: I think that's really awesome. And uh, you've definitely distinguished, articulated the way that distinguishes uh, osmosis in the space. And in this age, Shiv, and to the listeners, I mean, we're all in the information age. And there is information overload. But when you have a curator of information like Osmosis, that does so in an elegant, simple-to-use, targeted way. This is something that really you gravitate to. And I jumped on the website, Shiv, and I'm looking at even the plans, and it looks amazingly reasonable as far as pricing.
1: Yeah, that's another reason we called it. What can medical education learn from Facebook and Netflix? Our goal is to, you know, we, what we joke about is, if you can pay, you know, nine ninety nine a month for Breaking Bad, you can pay nine ninety nine a month for your education. So we do aim for Netflix level pricing, where for ten to twenty dollars a month, uh, on average, you're getting all of our content and all of our features. However, we are freemium, right? Like Facebook is, right? Like, right. Facebook's totally free, but they're ad and and content sponsors. We generate some revenue that way too. So we have a freemium model where there's over 275,000 free subscribers to our YouTube channel right now.
0: Part of the movement to becoming a better healthcare system is education. And I think you guys are definitely playing a big role. And to the listeners, I encourage you all to go take a look at osmosis.org and think to yourself, what can we do differently to rethink education? What can we do differently to empower our clinicians to empower our, hey, maybe you're an employer and you're thinking, okay, you know what? Our employees are going to the most expensive doctors. We need to educate them on how to better choose their doctors and how to better take their care. Maybe they don't need that extra MRI, whatever it might be. How do you rethink education? And I think Osmosis, just taking a look at at what they offer here and, and hearing Shiv kind of explain to us, this is so friendly. I just want to get on there and sign up right now, you know? So just the, a message to the listeners, rethink the way that you're doing education and bring the quality to it because that's how outcomes are improved. Shiv, I know that you guys have had a lot of success, but that success hasn't come without setbacks. Maybe talk to us a little bit about a setback that you've had or the team has had and what you guys learned from it.
1: Yeah, we've learned a lot over the last few years, uh, made a lot of the rookie mistakes that you hear about on in books or on podcasts, and you try integrating, setting up things to prevent them, but sometimes you just have to go through it yourself. So an example is just listening to the market. So we've spent the first two years building a lot of technology and not content. And the market leaders in our space are all content. They're either question banks or video libraries or textbooks, even. People, nobody said physicians and future clinicians, they've been accused of a lot of things, but one of the things they haven't been accused of is adopting things too early right? <laughs> front of the technology wave. We were trying to be the front of the technology wave. So I said the three things that make us different. We were really focusing on technology. Mm. And despite what the market was saying at the time, it was like we were trying to paddle and catch this technology wave, but we were way too early and the wave was still, still hadn't broken. Mm-hmm. We're, we're seeing it break now and getting a lot more traction, but we wasted a lot of time in the initial you know, two years building really sophisticated technology, which is now proving to be useful but at the time wasn't commercially successful because what the market wanted, and we weren't—we just weren't listening to them as much as we should have been, is just the best content and the best distribution. And that's why we built that up. A more acute example is we've had competitors adjust as well as they will often do. So one example, I won't name which competitor, but we were in a business meeting with them about a partnership and didn't do... We kind of gave them a lot of information that we probably should have held back. And then six months later, they released a product that was very similar to what we were describing we were working on. So that was just a mistake where it's like reading the competitor and fortunately nothing, you know, we're still much more advanced than them. But at the time it was pretty frustrating because, you know, the market will will do that. And ultimately also when I think about competition, just one note for other people who are involved in startups and even bigger companies that have competition. One nice thing about operating in the healthcare and education sectors is when you're competing with a company, ultimately that company is also helping people and educating them, right? So it's like- They aren't the worst people. They aren't bad, right? They're also mission-oriented generally and doing good things. It isn't like a zero-sum game where you're trying to find oil wells or something and then the (laughs) whole is trying to find the same oil wells and only one of you will find that oil well, which ultimately will contribute to global warming, and all, all sorts of so <laughs> The domino effect, right? Negative Within healthcare and education, I feel like you can be a little more empathetic with your competitors.
0: No, that's great. And I appreciate you sharing that. And the first one that you mentioned, Shiv, about you started with technology, the market wasn't responding. Man, I mean, I feel like large companies, small companies, all who are trying to impact the healthcare system put things out there. And it happens a lot where you're like, man, this thing is not taking off. And I love what you guys did at Osmosis. You went from a single-legged stool. You're like, okay, this is not working. This is a core competency. Let's listen and build. So then you built the content. And then you added another stool. So now you just have this amazing, sturdy stool that you've built the business upon instead of just saying, I failed. This is over. It didn't work. And so kudos to you guys. And a message to the listeners is if you're building a business in healthcare, don't give up. You got to think differently and build that stool and know that your core competency, even though you may have spent a lot of time on it, it may not serve now, but maybe it will within a year that you gain traction. So love that lesson that you taught us here, Shiv. And it's one that I've taken note of. And I know that the listeners will probably say, you know what, there's an application here in what I'm doing.
1: Perfect. I love that analogy too, this tool analogy. That's great.
0: Yeah, thank you. Okay, you've taken us to the darkness. Now take us to the light. Give us an example of one of the proudest leadership moments that you've had in medicine to date.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been really happy about the last year of osmosis. So I was in, I was actually, while I was on leave for medical school, I did business school between 2014 and 2016. And so we were trying to work for Product Market Fit. We are still growing the company, still getting contracts with institutions and hospitals. But it was slower because I was in business school. But then after I finished in May 2016, this past year, about 15 months has been really amazing. We've grown the team from 10 people to 30 people. And so I've transitioned myself as a leader of the organization where before I was doing everything, I was executing on everything and knew everything in the organization that was going on. Now I still you know, make sure I know everyone we're hiring. I interview them all. I talk to them all and do one-on-ones with them twice a year. But now I have started doing a lot more recruiting, delegating, and fundraising too because we just want to grow faster. That's right. So that's how my, my roles evolved. But I think one of the proud moments came where I was worried because we're a 30-person team remote right? So 25 different cities, 30 people. Wow. And when I can't see people, I typically, I get nervous about how they feel, what's the vibe of the organization. We started using this really great product called Office Vibe, which okay. uh, surveys our, our, user, our Slack teammates once a week about different things. And I was holding my breath batedly uh, for the first month as we were getting this feedback. And when we got the feedback, net promoter score from our employees, how proud they are of the mission, how they could articulate the mission, we were top 10% across the board in these wow. in these ranges so i was really excited i can't take credit for all of that we just have an awesome culture but i was excited because we've proven that we can grow to a certain amount of scale remotely, and get everyone wrapped up in our mission. And I'm just really proud of kind of where the organization was a year ago and where it is now, how we've grown in that time.
0: That's great, Shiv. And this idea of being able to measure engagement is really so key in any organization. And you mentioned you guys have a great culture. What would you say contributes to other than measurement, right? Because you got to measure it to be able to, to manage it. What would you say contributes to having that outstanding culture?
1: Yeah, I think letting personalities shine. We're still small enough that any individual person on the team can have an effect personality wise on the rest of the team. And so we've constantly been iterating, just like we iterate the product for our, what our users were saying, based on the lesson I was talking to you about, we yes. keep iterating kind of what we do with our team. So we've done a mix of different in-person get-togethers and retreats. We modified our weekly all-hands meeting where the first half hour of every weekly meeting is a random one-to-one pairing that I do manually. I don't even use software for this. I say, you know, Heidi's on our product team. She does UX and Rishi's our medical officer. They don't normally interact, but let me just put them together and have get to know each other. So we've started, we've done more iterating. I listen a lot, just like we need to listen to our users. I listen a lot to what the team is saying and then make modifications based on that. So, you know, I think that's been the most important thing, not just measuring, but listening to qualitative feedback and then trying experimenting and iterating and showing them that you care about the culture, that you're going to dedicate a lot of your time to promoting it and keeping it strong.
0: Now, that's great. And the common theme here, Outcomes Rocket listeners, is listen. If you take the time to listen, it's going to definitely be able to give you ideas that you never thought about if you just listen. And so open your ears, open your heart, open your mind to what not only the patients are saying and doing but what your employees are saying and doing and the resulting effect is a domino effect of listening within the organization that creates an amazing culture. Shiv, tell us a little bit about an exciting project or focus that you guys are working on today.
1: So I think one of our fastest growing revenue streams right now is content partnerships. So traditionally and for the foreseeable future we're we're still going to be dedicating a lot of, most of our efforts on end-user subscriptions. So these are clinicians, students who buy Osmosis Prime, we call it, as well as institutions of these people. So Michigan, Rush Medical College, University of Illinois, Chicago, and your neck of the woods, all of them have bought subscriptions for their students, for example. So those are our primary revenue streams, but The content sponsorships is pretty interesting because, as I've said, we work with more than two dozen organizations that are interested in creating videos, not necessarily that are just educational videos on pathophysiology or physiology, but also on topics like the physician compensation, like burnout, which is a really important theme now. We're going to be creating ones on medical liability, on electronic medical records. So we're really excited about the health media aspects of our content production and the partnerships we can form through that. So our videos are featured everywhere from Merck Manual to Wikipedia to Medscape, uh, WebMD. And I think we're just super excited because we have most of this has been inbound interest. For example, last year when Hillary Clinton was diagnosed with pneumonia in the ca- on the campaign trail, the Washington Post reached out and used our video on pneumonia to explain that to their audience. And so exciting initiatives we have is basically building upon that doing more content partnerships with more hospitals and healthcare systems especially the ones that want to establish their own leadership so for example if there's a healthcare system that believes it's the best at orthopedic surgery we have a whole host of orthopedic surgery or orthopedic videos we haven't produced yet but working with them and then also we're recruiting a, a head of market, a community engagement, essentially, who would then talk to more people like the Washington Post reporters who reached out to us and say, hey, you're doing an article on the opioid ep- epidemic. Osmosis has this great free video that you can use to explain opioids to your audience or cannabis or whatever, you name it, we're trying to create it.
0: I think that's great, Shiv, and it's truly exciting to hear about those partnerships. And, and for the listeners, if you have a knowledge project, consider these guys, they're doing some pretty amazing things. And in the end, it's the effectiveness of these learning mechanisms that help us deliver better quality better outcomes to the patients that we're all in this for. So Shiv, this is the part of the show where you and I are going to build a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful. Maybe it becomes part of osmosis. (laughs) (laughs) This is a, a lightning round. It's the 101 course or the ABCs of Shiv. So I'd like to read out these four questions. Just give me your quick answers on these and then we'll finish up with a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Sure. Awesome. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think engagement, patient engagement. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not
1: listening to anyone in the organization or the patients themselves.
0: How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change?
1: Listening, I believe, is still the best way. Listening, but not just listening. Listening with a purpose, deliberate listening, I would call it.
0: Love it. What is one area of focus that should drive all else in your company or organization? The culture, making sure that you
1: care and promote the culture that your organization is trying to establish.
0: And finally, Shiv, what book would you recommend to our listeners? So this is a throwback book. I really enjoyed Guns, Germs, and
1: Steel. That was a very popular book some years ago. It just was one of the first books I read that that changed how I think about equality Mm -hmm. and all the factors that one may not think. Can account for success or not. So one quick example, just briefly, is how the east-west aspect of Eurasia, how similar latitudes where you could grow crops in one part of, the la- of Eurasia and then easily translate that to another similar climate in another part of Eurasia, those civilizations grow faster than the north-south axes, like North America, South America. Yeah. And so that that led to faster progress and advancement, which eventually led to Eurasia conquering a lot of the rest of the world, as we saw for much of human history. And so that realization, again, whether or not that's been, you know, I think uh, Jared Diamond, who wrote the book, knows what he was talking about. That luck, that random chance that you happen to be born in this east-west axis versus this north-south axis contributed to their success as a civilization overall. I think that kind of thinking led me to believe that you can work a lot, but ultimately there are factors that are beyond your control that you need to respect, that you need to be willing to accept, and then you know modify how you do things based on that. So
0: wow, that's a really good message, and it is "Guns, Germs, and Steel" by Jared Diamond. And so, to the listeners, feel free to visit us at outcomesrocket.com/shiv. That's S H I V, and you'll be able to see all the show notes. And links to osmosis, the book, everything that we've talked about here in those show notes, make it convenient for yourself. Don't worry about writing it down. Just visit us and take down those notes. Shiv, this has been so enjoyable. I really just had a great time with you today. Before we conclude, let's have you share one closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get a hold of you.
1: Yeah. So, well, thanks again for having me. This has been really fun to talk to you about all this stuff and really enjoy listening to your podcast. Let's see. One closing thought is I'm really, again, excited and motivated by how healthcare needs to be adjusting over the next 5, 10, 15 years to changing society, right? How do we get people to live healthier and more fulfilling lives, especially as we have to transition to things like maybe a universal basic income or three-day work week or however society adjusts to the changing roles given you know AI and robotics and how quickly that's pervading our life. So I think that's something healthcare organizations need to be really well aware of, and I'm excited to be part of that transition. In terms of reaching me, obviously going to osmosis.org, creating your free account would be a good way you'd get an email from me very quickly after that. I can't guarantee that it's a personal email. It may be automated, <laughs> You will get an email from me. But otherwise, it's just shiv at osmosis.org. Fantastic,
0: Shiv. Really thankful that you're able to join us and carve out some time in your day to do this. And uh, the listeners, thank you. And uh, we're looking forward to staying in touch. Saul, thanks again. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast.